Lord a good hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Hughes. It's good to be with Brother Sister Hughes today and their family and this church family. And I can't go any further without telling you congratulations on a wonderful building, beautiful in every respect. Uh, kind of dropped in a couple of times while they were building it, but that was way back. But to see the finished product is amazing. And coming down the street uh, is so impressive to see our church, our church. Just amazing. And not only that, you know, you, you probably have to know a little history of how this church got to where we are. <laughs> and it wasn't easy. It's through, uh, and I, I told my wife, I said, I don't know what they're expecting in the morning, but they're not going to hear about COVID or storms. But we're not going to hear about that. But I do want to say... <laughs> Seems like y'all have heard a lot of that lately. <laughs> I do not want to say that because of your ability to overcome adverse circumstances and you just keep growing and moving forward and praying people through and baptizing people. And so God moves us from faith to faith. And here we are today. And it's such a beautiful building, beautiful people in this building. Thank you for uh, allowing me to come back and uh, be with you. And I'll tell you what, uh, the revival we had was one of the highlights of uh, my ministry, especially in my old age. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> Sometimes we wonder, what is God doing? And uh, when you submit to God's will and Put your life in his hands. Just hang on for the ride because it's, it's sometimes it's smooth and sometimes it's very rough. Amen. But when we're walking in God's will, he certainly directs the footsteps of the righteous. Praise God. Open your Bible this morning to the book of Romans. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 11. And verse 15, Romans chapter 11 and verse 15, my wife's going to say, you never preached this message before. I haven't, but it's for us today. I feel strongly that it's, it's for us today. Romans chapter 11, verse 15, for if the casting away of them be the reconciliation of the world. What shall the receiving of them be? And then he answers that question. But life from the dead. Father, we love you today and thank you. And we just want you to move through this congregation. Touch our life and our spirit and our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. It's just of a way to give us a little topic today, and this is what is, is going to be. Paul was uh, writing to the Romans, giving them a little history of the uh, 
falling away of Israel and then the, the coming back of Israel. And he said, what shall the receiving of them be? That's what I want to use for a subject this morning. What shall the receiving of them be? You know, it's so important to feel like whoever you're greeting and we, we've popped knuckles a little bit today and we've social distanced a little bit and I've saw some hugging a little bit and uh, it's so important uh, that whoever you want to receive you that they have that same feeling. You know, when my wife proposed to me to get married... I know she was a little nervous whether I was going to say yes or not, but you kind of make it funny. It was almost that way, but uh, she had told her dad, she said, I do not want to marry a preacher. I will not marry a preacher. And her dad said, well, you know, he's preaching right down the road, 15 miles. Let's go and hear what he has to say. And you got to realize I was 19. And her mom and her dad and her sisters and all whoever else she could gather up come. And uh, I was a nervous wreck and just, uh, I don't even know what I said. But on their way home, uh, her dad said, well, what about him? Would you, she said, oh yes, I think I could marry him. He said, why? She said, he's not enough preacher to hurt. <laughs> So, Pastor, that's kind of how we got started. <laughs> it's important to be received, isn't it? You know, when you're reaching for something, you want something to reach back. When you're reaching up, you want somebody to reach down. It's just that part of our uh, human part of us to say, I, I want somebody to like me. I want to be received. I, I want it to go well. And so when Paul was speaking to uh, the Roman, he was just explaining to them what it meant for a whole nation to go AWOL on God, to backslide, to do uh, unconscionable things against uh, God's word. And then he, he said, but, you know, the reconciling of Israel is the saving of the world. But he said, there's another part of that. He said, what will the receiving part of that be? Which was talking about how God was going to receive a backslidden people. And he, he said, it's, it's going to be all right because it's like the dead coming back to life. It's the receiving part of that that, that is so wonderful. And sometimes we come to church and we wonder, how is God going to receive us, especially if you're away from God this morning or you've never known the power of God's love in your life and you're thinking about, I need to come to God and I need to get right with God. Let me help you out a little bit this morning and tell you what will the receiving be. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be the most wonderful experience that you've ever had in all of your life. Because the word says, everybody say the word says, he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast them out. 
And brother, I want you to know when you come to God, he has the ability. He knows everything about us. And he has the ability to touch us and to forgive us. He has the power over the sin in your life. So you know what? When we couldn't get to where he was, he came down to us. When we couldn't get to where God is, uh, God said, I'll come down a greater life on a Sunday morning. uh, And I will receive you unto myself. Woo, hallelujah. I will receive you unto myself. Uh, Amen. To receive from God is something that you've got to realize that you've got to make room for him. Reconciliation just simply means that we're going to restore friendly acquaintances with each other. But with God, it's much more than that. He said, I'm going to receive you. I'm going to receive you not because of who you're going to be. I'm going to receive you sometimes while you're sitting as a sinner, as a lost person without God. He said, I'm going to receive you. Suddenly you begin to feel that tug of God. Something that we're missing in Pentecost is real, genuine conviction. Something that we need to get back to is how God pulls us from where we are. We sometimes have got so politically correct that we don't know if we need to call uh, anything black or white, sinner, non-sinner, whatever it is. Uh, But I want to tell you, God makes it real plain in his word. He loves you. Whoever you are, whatever you are, wherever you come from, uh, he loves you. Amen. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever. That means me. Praise God. I said, that means me, whosoever. Whoa, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to preach in a hurry this morning. Amen. There's some things when we realize about how to be received of God. How do we do that? Luke 4 and 18 talks about five different things that Jesus came and he preached to them. And when he got through preaching, he closed the book and he gave it back to the ministry. But these five things was so important to God when he robed himself in flesh and came to this earth. He, he said, this is preaching. Preach to the poor. You ever read that scripture, the poor you have with you always? You're sitting here this morning. You know, there's sometimes when we forget about those people, they may not be poor in wealth of finances, but they might be poor in spirit. And so he said, the poor you have with you always, he said, preach to them. The brokenhearted, my word, we have been so brokenhearted through this season in our life and lost so many close friends and you have too. But you listen to what he said. Uh, He's going to heal the brokenhearted. If we believe that God can heal cancer and diseases, we've got to believe that God can heal the brokenhearted. He healed the brokenhearted. He said, 
deliverance to the captives. I felt this so strong when I was praying last week that there's somebody here this morning that's held captive. Captive in your mind. Captive in your spirit. uh, Downtrodden. You don't know which way to go. God's going to give you some direction this morning uh, and set you free. Praise God. Uh, Set you free. He said, I'm going to give you the recovering of sight to the blind and and I'm going to set at liberty them that are bruised. You know what that simply means? Uh, You got to get your feelings off your shoulders if you're going to come to God. You got to start forgiving if you're going to come to God. You got to start getting the perspective right if you're going to come to God. Uh, Because he said, I uh, am going to set at liberty them that are hurting them that are downcast. Uh, I'm going to send the spirit your way that's going to set you at liberty in your spirit. Receives us. It comes our way. You can't come to God until you get sick of sin. In other words, the Bible puts it a little bit plainer than that. You can't serve two masters. You're going to love one, hate the other. You can't be both ways. But I want to tell you, when you know him, like we know him. When you know him, like drug addicts in this church know him. When you know him. When you know him, uh, like people that were on a divorce uh, and in divorce court and God put their family back together. Uh, that's when you know him. I want to tell you something. When God uh, comes down into your life, all of a sudden, uh, the things of this world grow strangely dim. And they get dimmer. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, amen. All, all of a sudden, uh, Everything else becomes non-existence. But when God says, when you love me more than you love anything else, he said, I will receive you. With his arms outstretched with his side bleeding, with a crown of thorns on his head, uh, with the nails in his hands, he said, I'm going to receive you. You crucified me, uh, but I'm going to receive you. You didn't like me, but I love you. I'm going to receive you. Oh, come on, somebody this morning uh, needs to make up your mind. It's time to come to God. Woo! time to come to God. It's time to come to God. Old-fashioned conviction needs to sweep this place. Amen. It's time to come to God. And when you get ready to come to God, you got to know where to go. I'm going to tell you, sometimes conviction does strange things to people. It makes them mean Makes them drink more, makes them smoke more, makes them curse more, makes them do all, makes it, makes it tell your wife, I'm never going to dare to church, I'm never going to church. Wait a minute. Didn't we all have that attitude? Man, my mother used to get us when we as kids, y'all come to church, I'm not coming to church. I'm not coming to church. I went one morning. Uh, we stay out almost all night and early in the morning I come to the front porch of our house and I heard my mother praying. She said, God, I don't know where Bobby is, but save him. I just kind of knelt down on the side of the porch and I started praying. 
And this was my prayer. God, please let her go to bed. God, just let her, let her go to bed. Because I wasn't going in until she quit praying. But I want to tell you something. My, my, my. Somebody touched God for me. When I was going down the wrong path, somebody touched God for me. And I want to tell you something else. When you come to God, you better come to the right place. And may I tell you something? You're in the right place this morning. I want to tell you something else. The glory of God is in this house. And if you want to come to God, you're in the right place to come to God. If you want God to receive you, he said, they that cometh to me, I will no wise cast them out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sometimes we realize how important that it is that we come to God. If you want to live for God, here's where you start. It's got to be that starting point. Here we go. Amen. God has always, and you might want to follow me in this scripture. Jeremiah uh, chapter 18 is one of the most beautiful stories of reconciliation, of how God receives us. And he said, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. Verse 1 of uh, Jeremiah Chapter 18, go down to Potter's house and I'm going to show you what love really is. I'm going to tell you, when I pastored, which I don't anymore, but sometimes I give advice. I used to tell our young couples, I said, you don't fall in love. It's like walking down the street and falling into a pit. You don't fall in love. It's the planting of the seed and watching it grow. If you want to know what love is, you talk to some of these who've been married 35, 40, 50 years. If you really want to know what love is, you watch some of these men when their wife gets sick and they are there to help them out, wait on them. If you want what love really is, then you look at somebody that's had adversity in their life. If you want what love is, you watch people that all the world has turned against them. Maybe their children has turned against them, but it draws them closer together. So it's not falling, it's growing. And suddenly, he said, I want you to go down to the potter's house. I'm going to show you what love is. And he said, I will cause thee to hear my words at the potter's house. Then I went down to the potter's house. And behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that uh, was made of clay was marred in his hand of the potter. So he made it again. I love that. He made it again. He didn't cast it out. To be trodden underfoot. He said, I'm going to make it again. It's a little marred right now. That's, that's you know, when, when God made us out of the dust of the ground, you think you're perfect, but you're really not. You think, you know, you're God's gift to the world, but you're really not. 
you think you're the most handsome, most beautiful, but you're really not. But let me tell you, there's a little flaw in our life. There's a little flaw in our character. There's a little flaw in some things that we do. So the Lord said, I'm going to make you over again. Aren't you glad that he didn't condemn us to hell? Uh, But he said, I'm going to open up a door for you. And because I did not make you perfect the first time, I'm going to put you back on the potter's wheel. And he said, in the potter's wheel, you get a chance to repent. At the potter's wheel, you get a chance to be baptized. At the potter's wheel, you got a chance to be born again. And so the inferior clay that was broken and marred, he said, I'm not casting you out. I'm bringing you in. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. God is able to bring you in. God is able to bring you in. I just feel like saying this. You are not too far from God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You are not too far from God. God can reach down in the pits where you are and pull you out and put you back on the potter's wheel. Come on, praise him a little bit. Hallelujah. Puts us back on the potter's wheel. The potter's wheel. He said, I'm going to make you over again. I'm going to tell you something. There's something about the Holy Ghost. Wow. There's just something about the Holy Ghost. It makes us over again. There's something about God's presence in our life that suddenly we get so in love with him until... The wicked people, the bad people, the forgotten people, the cast out people, the lonely people, the destitute people. Suddenly, he said, there's a purpose in my life. Let me give you some examples. I'm I'm working with a man that I've known his family forever. I pastored them forever. Knew him when he was a young man. And... uh, if I could tell you the story of, of his family, you would just almost say that's unbelievable. But he had a mother, and she was so faithful that she prayed all the time, all the time, all the time. Prayed for her kids, prayed for her husband. Several kids died in prison, and uh, it, the story just goes on. And the youngest boy, uh, the youngest boy, Paul, uh, spent 25 years in prison. Got a 30-year term. He just got out a few months ago, 25 years in prison. He missed his mom and dad's funeral, all of his brothers, everything, his kids growing up, all of that. And uh, he was accused of murder, murder, which he didn't do. Kept insisting that he didn't. Long story, but you probably know people has been uh, uh, incarcerated and they're innocent. And he just kept going and... Uh, but 25 years, I, I just kept writing him, sending him uh, a little bit of money because his family couldn't afford to send him so much money just to get uh, the necessary things. And, and through the years, all those years, he kept writing me back, I'm coming to church, I'm coming to church, I'm coming to church. And when he got out of prison, he called me and he told me where he was. I said, I'm coming to pick you up. Although I had not seen him in 25 years. 
instantly, there he was. And uh, of course, you know how that goes. And I said, well, look, we want to get together. And we did. He, he said, uh, I want to just come to your house after Hurricane Laura. And he said, I'm going to clean up around your house. I'm going to clean all the limbs down. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sweep the roof off. I'm going to do it. Okay, come on. And, and so we did. But we spent most of that time sitting in chairs, catching up. And I asked him this question. I said, Paul, I believe you're innocent. How do you feel? I said, you're going to come back to God. I want to know how you feel. He said, pastor, he still calls me pastor. He said, pastor. He said, for the first few years I was in prison, I hated everybody. I hated myself. I hated my brother. I hated everybody that accused me of this. I hated the prosecutors. I hated everything. And he said, I realized that, that was getting me nowhere. And one of our UPC preachers that I sent to the prison where he was, walked into where he was, had the right words to say. And he said, I, I want to just drive. He said, Paul, you can't come to God until you first come to grips with yourself and forgive and get the hatred out of your life. And Paul said, I hated him too for telling me that. But he said, when you're locked up in a cell and there's nowhere to go, you do a lot of thinking. And he said, I could feel myself begin to release all of that. I just slowly began to release all that hatred and release all of that stuff that was in my life. And he said, it was so hard to do, but night after night, I'd say, I forgive them. No, go down the list. I forgive them. Man, he was sitting out there and we were sitting in lawn chairs and he said, I want to tell you, I got it all out of me. I got it all out of me. 25 years and I got it all out of me. Oh, come on. There's somebody here this morning. You're not out of God's reach. The first start of coming to God is forgiveness. And God said, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. But if you forgive, I'll receive you. <coughs> Hallelujah. There's some things we just got to know. Ezekiel 37. We all know this story. It's amazing. Ezekiel chapter 37. He said, Ezekiel go out to the valley. And uh, in this valley, there's going to be dry bones out there. And uh, uh, I want you to do something that's just really uncommon. And uh, he said, well, okay. Uh, Lord, what do, you want, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to preach to those dry bones. And Ezekiel said, they're very dry bones. Very dry. And he said, I want you to preach to them. And then he asked this question. Son of man, can these bones live? Now, you know the answer because you can read the next verse. But Ezekiel didn't have a clue. <laughs> so we did what we do. Lord, thou knowest. I don't know, but you do. And uh, he just kind of started obeying what God told him to do. 
And when he started preaching, preaching that word to them, Lord, thou knowest, this is what God can do. Lord, thou knowest. And, and you, you know the story. The Bible says that it all started coming together. And uh, suddenly the bones uh, started coming together. And they were scattered all over the valley. And coming to God a lot of times is a coming together. And, and, and suddenly the bones started connecting with each other. And the, the head and the neck and the shoulders and the back and the hips and the legs and the thighs and the knees and the ankles and the feet. And, and all of that had a reunion. And when all the bones come together, they stood up. <laughs> wow. You're talking about a miracle. They stood up. And when they stood up, there was nothing. Because you know what? Good intentions won't get you to heaven. They stood up. And this is what he said. I want you to preach to them. And as he was preaching to them, strange things happened. Sinew. You know what? That, that's not flesh. Sinew is the tendons and the muscle that hold everything together. Brother, you can't, you, you can't come to God without a little muscle. If you're going to make up your mind to live for God, there's some things you got to get strong on. You got to get some muscle. Them old time preachers used to say a backbone like a saw log, whatever that means. That's older than I want to think about. Amen. But you know what? They got, they got, strength inside of them and sinew came upon them and 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 the muscle came upon them and the strength came upon them i i'm looking at, at that this morning amen when the devil thought i'll destroy them with floods and water and all kind of disease and all of that i'll i'll destroy two churches i'll, I'll make them regret they ever thought about coming to god but look at us this morning Amen. Seeing you. Woo. Muscle. Tendons. Something. My God have mercy. Something got a hold of us. And you Woo. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. You're, you're sitting in a victorious church. And I want to tell you something else. We're not near about through. The greatest days are, are not behind you, they're ahead of you. Because you've got muscle, you've got sinew, you've got tenacity, you've got determination. Amen. That greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Woo, when the devil thought I'll take all of that away from him. My God, I'll make all the pastors preaching just null and void. It's okay. Go ahead. We preached in the gym. Remember that? Six weeks. And all of a sudden, I prayed a mini prayer in that old building right over there. Nothing was in there. That was passed and flooded. But let me tell you something. When I look through here this morning, I see determination. When I, I look through here this morning, I, I'm going to say, if, if you're visiting this church, you're in the right place. 
I'm going to tell you this morning, more miracles have happened here than you can see with a naked eye. Amen. And suddenly the preacher stood behind the pulpit when you didn't feel like preaching. When inside of you was way down on the bottom limb. And when you think, I don't know if I can make this or not, preach. Praise God. Preach. And there's something about it. uh, When you start preaching, uh, it's valley of dry bones. And then the bones come together. uh, And then the muscle and the tendons come together. uh, And then the... And then the skin comes together. And you know what it is? It's the Word of God. Preach the Word of God. Preach the Word. We're not going to quit preaching about God's goodness. Ooh. Man, I want to tell you, I'll bring the preach out in me. I'm trying to quit, but I want to tell you, suddenly, suddenly, there was a great noise. And the skin came upon the muscle and the sinew and all of a sudden he looked out through there and there was a noise. My old father-in-law used to say it's not the noise that bothers people. It's the kind of noise that bothers people. And this morning I hear a noise coming up and we sing about it. Greater is he that is in me. We sing about the name. We sing about the water. We sing about the victory. So I want to tell you something this morning. Amen. I'm not preaching to a valley of dry bones anymore. That's behind us. Uh, I'm preaching to washed in the blood, born again, victorious, uh, overwhelming and overcoming saints of God. Come on, stand up with me. Woo, hallelujah. Woo. God can do it. God can take the heart having a of a person that's been incarcerated for 25 years and put the love in him. He texted me yesterday. He always, I love you, Pastor. I said, you know, it takes a lot for him to say that. It takes a lot for him to say that. In my house, I have a little sawed-off shotgun that is not in good shape. It's got wire uh, wrapped around the handle to hold it together. And when I look at it, I, I, I remember a story of my wife's uncle. He was in World War II and he was shell-shocked and her dad and her two uncles and their uh, brother-in-law was all in the service and all of them was wounded except her dad. And his name was Mutt. Mutt come home and uh, totally shell-shocked and all of the bad things. And there was not much help for them back in the 40s. And just out of his mind one night, he got up and he got the shotgun and he shot and killed his grandfather with that gun. Went back to bed. Next morning they found him. He had no clue that he had done that. They took him to the psychiatrist. He had no clue he'd done that. They said, the only way we could help this guy is to put him in an insane asylum and that's where he'll spend the rest of his life. 
but God. But there was a little woman that knew how to pray and she prayed all of her sons and all of her her son-in-law through the war. And she said he will not spend the rest of his life in this insane asylum and God will deliver him and bring him out. She prayed and she prayed a year, two years, three years. And I don't know how many more, but every time she'd go to see him, there was just that glass-eyed nobody at home. He didn't even know his own mother's name. One day, she got up and she told her other son, she said, take me and get much stuff. He's coming home today. <laughs> he said, Mom, he's not coming home. She said, he's coming home today. When she walked down through the hospital corridor, Mutt took his head out the door and said, Hello, Mom, I've been waiting on you. Knew her perfectly. Sound mind. Come on, you got to put some muscle in your prayers. Just because it didn't happen last year don't mean it's not, it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. You praying about it, it's going to happen. You talking to God about it, it's going to happen. You've been praying for that lost loved one, it's going to happen. Ooh. Jesus, would you close your eyes with me right now, Lord? I'm praying right now for people in this building. They're lost. They're distant. They're so far from you, God. But you're dealing with them right now. Lord, your love is pulling on their hearts right now. You're dealing with them right now. In just another minute, I want them to walk down this aisle. Give their life to you, Lord. Put it back on the potter's wheel. Bring them back together. Deal with them right now. I prayed old-fashioned conviction would just step in, touch your life and your heart right now while they're singing. While our church begins to come forward in prayer, why don't you step out? Come with them right now. That's it. From the back all the way. Come on. Saints, if you'll come on right now. If you, if you feel comfortable. If you feel comfortable in coming and standing, come on right now. Come on. If you need God, come on right now. Jesus' name. I'm waiting on you. God's waiting on you. You're not far from the kingdom of God. Come on. Come on. Come on right now. Come on right now. That's it. Come on right now. If you need God, we have people to pray with you. God can meet you. God can touch you. God can help you. God wants to touch your life.